Suppose that we all go downstairs after Mass and have some coffee and donut or an omelet and juice. We call that breakfast. That's not particularly amazing. It's not particularly out of the ordinary. We're talking about breakfast. So what's your point, Padre? Well, hopefully everybody here knows the difference between going to the doctor and having breakfast. Of course we do. Breakfast is not some kind of extraordinary medical treatment. Eating is not some sort of extraordinary medical treatment. Drinking is not some sort of extraordinary medical treatment. Everybody just hold that thought. Once we understand this complicated idea, we understand basically everything else we're going to go through today. Now we'll just connect the dots. This week marks the 31st anniversary of Roe v. Wade. That infamous decision of our Supreme Court decriminalizing abortion. In the light of this gruesome anniversary, let's take a few minutes today to consider the fifth commandment. Thou shalt not kill. Today, in the interest of time, we'll only look at one particular aspect of this commandment, killing. And then we'll apply what we've learned today to a particular problem. According to the Catechism of the Council of Trent, there are certain types of permissible killing. Killing animals, the execution of criminals by civil authorities, killing in a just war, and killing in self-defense. All other killing is forbidden. Quote, all other killing is forbidden whether we consider the person who kills, the person killed, or the means used to kill. Close quote. As to the person who kills, quote, the commandment recognizes no exception whatsoever. All without exception or distinction are forbidden from killing others. Close quote. As to the person killed, with quote, with regard to the person killed, the law extends to all. There is no individual, however humble or lowly his condition, whose life is not shielded by this law. It also forbids suicide. No man is at liberty to put himself to death. Close quote. No individual, however humble or lowly his condition, this includes embryos, may be killed. As to the means used to kill, Quote, if we consider the numerous means by which murder may be committed, this law admits of no exceptions. Close quote. All are forbidden to kill. All, no matter what age or condition, are protected from being killed. Suicide is forbidden. All possible means of killing are forbidden. In May of 1980, the Holy See simply reaffirmed these timeless principles in a document entitled Declaration on Euthanasia. Quote, no one can in any way permit the killing of an innocent human being. Furthermore, no one is permitted to ask for this act of killing, either for himself or for another person entrusted to his care. Nor can he consent to it nor can any authority legitimately recommend or permit such an action. For it is a question of the violation of the divine law, 
an offense against the dignity of the human person, a crime against life, and an attack on humanity. Close quote. No one can in any way permit the killing of an innocent human being, including a person who is dying. No one is permitted to ask for this act of killing, either for himself or for another person entrusted to his care, nor can he consent to it, nor can any authority legitimately recommend or permit such an action. Again, we see the same principles. All are forbidden to kill. All, no matter what age or condition, are protected from being killed. Suicide is forbidden. All possible means of killing are forbidden. Now one more little detail. With respect to medical issues, Catholics generally realize that when they're sick or ailing or even dying, they have to accept ordinary care, but they certainly can refuse extraordinary care. Catholics are often confused about the difference between ordinary care and extraordinary care, so let's sort that out. Quote, Ordinary means for preserving life include not only food, drink, and rest, but also in terms of hospital practice, all medicines, treatments, and operations which offer a reasonable hope of benefit for the patient which can be obtained and used without excessive expense, pain, or other inconvenience. Close quote. Okay, everybody needs to make sure they have a clear idea of what the church means by ordinary care. Food, drink, rest, all medical procedures which offer a reasonable hope of benefit and which don't cause excessive expense, pain, or other inconvenience. Food, drink, rest, all medical procedures which offer a reasonable hope of benefit and which don't cause excessive expense, pain, or inconvenience. That's what the church means by ordinary care. That's what the church means. Okay, what are extraordinary means? Quote, extraordinary means for preserving life are all medicines, treatments, and operations which cannot be obtained or used without excessive expense, pain, or other inconvenience for the patient or for others, or which, if used, would not offer reasonable hope of benefit for the patient. Close quote. Okay, now we need to make sure we understand what the church means by extraordinary care. All medical procedures with, which either don't offer a reasonable hope of benefit for the patient or which cause excessive expense, pain, or other inconvenience. All medical procedures which either don't offer a reasonable hope of benefit for the patient or which cause excessive expense, pain, or other inconvenience. I put both these items in the bulletin. It's important to know what the church means because men of goodwill in the medical community will use the terms ordinary and extraordinary and they don't have the same meaning to it. We're not saying that's wrong. They're not, not saying what the church is saying here because they're not talking about the same thing. We need to have a clear idea of what the church means. Okay. By the way, these quotes were taken from an excellent document, the pastoral letter on death and the care of the dying, written by the Florida bishops in 1974. Did everybody notice the line about food and drink being ordinary care? If that wasn't clear enough, we have another authority who's spoken on this very issue. Quote, I was hungry, and you gave me not to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me not to drink. 
Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Close quote. Jesus Christ, the judge of the living and the dead. Now let's quickly review all those principles. All are forbidden to kill. All, no matter what age or condition, are protected from being killed. Suicide is forbidden. All possible methods of killing are forbidden. When someone is sick or ailing or even dying, they have to accept or be provided ordinary care, but they can refuse extraordinary care. Ordinary care means food, drink, rest, all medical procedures which offer a reasonable hope of benefit, which don't cause excessive pain, expense, or other inconvenience. Extraordinary care means all medical procedures which either don't offer a reasonable hope of benefit or which cause excessive pain, expense, or other inconveniences. Now let's apply all these principles to a concrete. A Catholic wife named Terry Schiavo. As we know, she's from Florida. She's been disabled since 1990. She breathes, maintains a heartbeat and blood pressure on her own. She can see and move her limbs. She's not in a coma. She's not dependent on life support. And she's not dying by natural causes. She's perfectly alive. She's disabled, but she's not dying. She does need a feeding tube to keep her alive. It's that food and drink thing. She needs to be fed like a lot of the very small people in this place. In spite of the fact that she's not dying for almost four years, her husband has had her kept in a hospice. In videos shown in court, you're able to see on her website, Terry smiles, laughs, vocalizes, watches a balloon moving from one side of the room to the other. Now, unbelievably enough, the court has found, in spite of all this, that she is permanently and irreversibly unconscious. A woman that smiles, laughs, receives Holy Communion, and she's irreversibly unconscious in the mind of the court. It'd be completely laughable if it wasn't such a serious issue. They're defying this woman out of existence, a stunt we saw pulled by the Nazis. Okay, now given our principles, what matters here? In terms of removing her feeding tube, does it matter that her husband wants her to have the tube removed, yes or no? No, all are forbidden to kill. Let's suppose that she actually did tell her husband that she wanted, she would not want to live this way, as he testified in court, that she had casually mentioned that. Let's suppose that she said that, does that matter, yes or no? No, all, no matter what age or condition, are prevented from being killed, and suicide is forbidden. Does it matter that she's disabled? Let's suppose, for the sake of the argument, that she actually is in a permanent vegetative state. Does it matter if she's that seriously disabled? Yes or no? No. Again, all, no matter what age or condition, are protected from being killed. Does it matter that she can't feed herself? Yes or no? No. When someone is sick or ailing or even dying, they have to be provided ordinary care. And as we've seen, ordinary care includes food and drink. I mentioned casually that most farm kids, by the time they're teenagers, know how to tube livestock. If we can tube livestock, what on earth are we saying we won't do it to someone's wife? It's just a testimony to the absolute degeneracy of this culture of death that we have to spend even a minute analyzing this situation. It's a no-brainer. Breakfast 
ain't extraordinary medical means, ladies and gentlemen. Breakfast is not some highfalutin medical procedure. Food and drink are ordinary means, period. Close the book. I've been told by members of the medical community that cutting off food and water from patients is a common form of euthanasia in these United States. Don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to a member of your family. Make sure that in your legal documents you have clearly spelled out that your agent absolutely does not have the power to consent to withdraw of so-called artificially supplied nutrition or hydration or tube feeding. Food and water are ordinary care. Now before we close, let's consider one other thought. Let's take the argument from the pro-euthanasia guys over there and murder incorporated seriously. Let's suppose for the sake of the argument that it is okay to take away a woman's feeding tube. Well, no one with an ounce of compassion seriously wants to watch one of their loved ones die a slow, painful death from dehydration or starvation, do they? No. If we can kill them by cutting off their food and water, why can't we save the money and be compassionate and put them out of their misery quickly? Why not a lethal injection? If it's okay to starve someone to death, why isn't it okay to quickly and painlessly end it for them with an overdose? A decade ago, a pro-life physician told us that in the Netherlands, people try to hire a sitter when they're hospitalized. A sitter's job is to keep vigil at the patient's bedside 24 hours a day to make sure that the medical personnel don't euthanize the patient against his will. It'll be coming soon to a hospital near you.